welcome to the Central Vineyard podcast. We're really pleased you've chosen to join us today. Our vision is to be a transformational church community, following Jesus, joining God in the renewal of all things. We'd love for you to join us in person if you're able to on a Sunday morning. If you would like more details, you can visit our website at centralvineyard.co.uk. Respond to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, as Michelle said, I'm Dan. Uh, if we've not met this morning, I'll be out on the landing. Come and come and say hi. So this morning we're gonna we're continuing our Lent series, which complements the devotions that uh, Michelle uh, spoke about in the notices, and it's really. Um, we're calling it Faith First. It starts with our faith. Um, but why are we doing this? This has been uh, said in the last couple of weeks, and it will come on screen. Lent is an invitation to us to make our minds and hearts ready for remembering Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Lent is a season that gives us an opportunity to step in and take a fresh look at our faith. And that's what we're doing over the weeks of Lent leading up to Easter, taking an opportunity to step in and take a fresh look at our faith. And this morning we're looking at the temptation of Jesus. But before we jump into the text, I want us to think about the two kingdoms that are at work in this world. The Bible teaches about them, that there's two kingdoms and it's especially relevant as we look at the temptation of Jesus. There's a kingdom which is ruled by the devil, by Satan. His mission is to take our hearts, minds, and souls away from God. He wants to captivate our minds and our hearts with, with lies that takes us away from the truth. John Mark Comer describes in his book, Live No Lives, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. But there's also a kingdom of God, a kingdom of love, grace and peace. It's a kingdom which frees us from these binds that hold us back. John 8 says um, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In the same passage, it talks us about us being part of his family, knowing our identity in God. The kingdom is built on acceptance of us in our identity of God's children. And we're free because of his love and grace. In Jesus' life, he modelled devotion to his Father. And if I want you to take away something this morning, it's that word, devotion. Devotion to our Father. And it, and it was that devotion that fueled his desire not to deviate from truth. Satan looked to distract him with clever tricks, but Jesus' desire didn't falter because of his devotion to God. 
and that fueled his desire to serve his father, no matter how drained and hungry he was. I'm going to invite Masood to come and read our text this morning. He's going to do it in Farsi for our Farsi, for our Persian brothers and sisters. Good morning. My name is Masood from Iran. Uh, I read Farsi. If you don't understand, don't worry. Every week, we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> آنگاه روح عیسی را به بیابان هدایت کرد تا ابلیس و سشرش کند. عیسی پس از آنکه چهل شبان روز در روزه سپری کرد گرسنه شد. آنگاه وسوسگر نزدش آمد و گفت اگر پسر خدایی به این سنگ ها بگو نان شوند. عیسی در پاسخ گفت نوشته شده است که انسان ها تنها به نان زنده نیستند بلکه به هر کلامی که از دهان خدا ساده شود. سپس ابلیس او را به شهر مقدس برد و بر فراز معبد قرار داد و به او گفت اگر پسر خدایی خود را به زیر افکن زیرا نوشته شده است فرشتگان خود را درباره تو فرمان خواهد داد و آنها بر دستهایش خواهد گرفت مبادا پایت را به سنگی بزنی عیسی به او پاسخ داد این نیز نوشته شده که خدای خود را میازما دیگر بار ابلیس او را به فراز کوی پس بلند برد و همه حکومت های جهان را با تمام شکوه و جلالشان به او نشان داد و گفت اگر در برابرم به خاک گفتی و مرا سجده کنی این همه به تو خواهم بخشید Thanks, And we're going to read verses 1 to 11 together. The words will be up on screen. Um, we have Bible. We've got New Testaments out on the landing as well. The pile went down last time, I said. Um, so we want you to take them away. And it's a real encouragement for you to take away a New Testament if you don't have one. But let's read the text together. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy, spirit, holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. It, all, it, it seems almost childish to talk about spiritual warfare. I grew up with Tom and Jerry, and Jerry would often have a, a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. And one was trying to convince him to be good, to be a good friend to Tom, and the other one was telling him to do his cheeky tricks. And it's easy to come to it like that, but actually through this passage we, we see how serious it is. We learn about what spiritual warfare is all about. It's not about a comedic conscience that are sitting on our shoulders, but it is very real. Sometimes we don't recognize it, but it's very serious and real. And this passage also shows us about the two kingdoms operating. One of the kingdom seeks to gain power, while the other one wants to give life. One seeks to control and enslave, the other wants to bring freedom. One wants to take power by extorting, and the other shows power by laying down his own life. Um, there's going to be a, a slide that comes up. Um, it's, it's in uh, Live No Lies Again by John Mark Comer. And it, it helps us to understand a little bit uh, about what tempts us. So the idea is that deceptive ideas that come from Satan, come from the devil, they played, play to a disordered desires within us. The Bible often talks about our flesh. And they can be normalized in the society around us, which is the world. And all these th things play, I think, in, in our temptations. And this can create a bit of a cycle. The more we normalize things, the more we, can, we sometimes convince ourselves that it's okay. It's quite a strategy as I was reading this. Satan's clever. He's not silly. And the more that we believe these lies and the deceptive ideas that the devil puts in, in us and in front of us, and we're not always truly aware of these things in our lives, we convince ourselves that we're alone, that we're ugly, that we're unaccepted, unworthy, too sinful, too busy, too unsuccessful, not rich enough, not together enough. The list goes on. And as that plays into our own sinful desires, or the flesh as the Bible sometimes explains it, our desires get distorted. Sometimes it can be quite subtle. Sometimes it can be more obvious. We crave success, beauty, money, acceptance, all the wrong things that take us away from God. And as that gets normalized in society, we also can normalize them in ourselves. So how we deal with temptation is a big impact on our own lives and our own desires which in turn 
can have an impact into the world around us. So the challenge this morning, as we seek more of God in Lent, I want us to understand these two kingdoms that are at work, what they stand for, and and how we learn from Jesus's reaction and his example. And pray that we too, may the, through the power of the working of the Spirit, can step into these things as we seek to live in his kingdom in a deeper way. So the first of all, the truth about lies. So we read in this passage that Jesus went into the desert and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He would have been hungry, low on energy. Anyone get hangry? Some of you are lying. I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on. So when you get hungry and it just riles you up, I would be terrible. My discipline would go away. Um, and, I, and I'm more susceptible to temptation in those kind of things. We're at our lowest when, we, sometimes when we're tempted, we're at our lowest. And it's, and it's easy to slip into temptation. Following Jesus isn't always the easy route without struggles. If you look at Jesus's life, he arguably had the toughest life because he was both pure and and wrestled with his humanity and divinity. And Satan had been waiting for his chance. Maybe he had been there the whole time, waiting for the chance to tempt Jesus in in his time in the wilderness. Maybe he'd been trying, and this was his last chance before Jesus started his ministry. And he desperately wanted to bring him down, to stop the kingdom of God coming. And this was his chance. I mean, there's a fair amount of understanding in our world that living with lies is not a good thing and that at some point your world will collapse at some point. And it may be easy to think that actually a life of truth, everything will go away and it will be easy. But truth is also hard, let's be honest. There's no guarantee that life will go well, go brilliantly. Sometimes living in truth is the harder thing to do. The fight can feel constant. But we learn from this passage that is the benefit of a life in God's kingdom brings a life of freedom. Jesus had the power and strength to avoid temptation because of his deep-rooted love for his Father his devotion to his father and his father's kingdom. Do we know where the battle is? Jesus knew where the battle was and is. He was aware of supernatural evil. Possibly the greatest trouble of ours is not realizing that there is a spiritual battle going on. And as I said, Satan is clever. He's not always obvious in his plots, He wants us to feel alone. He wants us to feel isolated. He wants us to think it's all about us. Bury the small things or even bigger things. When we sin, when we do wrong, he wants us to normalize it, convince ourselves it's, it's okay. He wants us to feel it's just happy to push it aside and carry on. 
sometimes even distort it to us thinking that what we're doing is fine with God. I just encourage you, if you are caught up with sin or brokenness, you feel enslaved or trapped, Jesus offers an alternative. You may feel trapped. It may feel that somebody's got a hold of you. And Jesus invites you. He doesn't grab you and pull you forward. Perhaps you're feeling pulled back at the moment, but Jesus offers his hand for you to step forward. He doesn't take it by force, but rather we're welcomed into it. So as we look at the things that Jesus was tempted with, it helps us to understand the supernatural kingdoms and also how we can live in God's kingdom. So first of all, Jesus shows us that the kingdom of God is not self-centered. Verse 3, we hear about Satan's kingdom. Satan says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus was hungry. He was weak. Of course he had the power to turn those stones into bread. You know, we we then read of Jesus' ministry, of his power to heal, to um, produce miracles. We know he had the power. So why is this such a big deal? Why not turn a few stones into bread? He had the power, why not use it? He would have shown that he was the Son of God. But this is key Jesus didn't come to use his power for his own selfish gain. He came to show selfless love. It actually would have gone completely against what Jesus had come to show us. Satan says, use your power for your own good. You may trample on people uh, to get there, but that's all right, because that's how the world works. That's one kingdom. But Jesus, not once used his power for his own gain. He used his power to show the world what his father's kingdom was all about, which is grace and love. Jesus poured out his life for us. He didn't zap the life out of others or trample on, it, on people to make himself high. He actually did the opposite. He made himself the lowest of the low so that we may have life. He came to lay down his life so that we could have true and full lives. And Jesus' response to Satan was to proclaim his father's kingdom. Verse 4, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God speaks truth. Jesus came to speak truth into the lies of the world speak truth against the lies of Satan's kingdom. Secondly, Jesus shows us that God's kingdom isn't proud. Satan tempts him again in verses 5 and 6. It says, The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan started small in his first temptation. 
stones into bread, what harm will that do? Just a one-off to fill, fill our empty tummy. We've got a small hill um, near our house. Uh, it connects the coffee shop, where we probably spend a bit too much time um, in, and the park where we walk our dog. If we go to the cafe, we could have the, the longer walk. It's not actually that far, but it feels like a long walk round. Or we could just go over the small hill, uh, and then we're there in the park. However, like everywhere at the moment, it's super slippy. It's been used so much, it's getting wider and wider, and it just doesn't have any grip anymore. This can be a bit of a similar story in our temptations. Satan is clever. He'll start with the small stuff. As we're going down that slippery, uh, slippery slope, the first step can feel a little, it feels all right. But actually, the more and more we get into it, we slip further and further down the hill. Satan convinces us it doesn't matter, and we slip further, and it's harder, it can feel harder to get back up. We're told it doesn't do us or anyone else harm, so let's do it. And we've got to be careful that one sin doesn't lead to another. As soon as we start slipping down the hill, let's look up to Jesus, let's take the step up. But actually, it doesn't matter how far you've slipped down that hill or how it feels like your, your sins might be getting bigger and bigger. Jesus invites us to come up to him, no matter what we've done, wherever we are on that slope. Satan in this temptation is misquoting scripture to justify to Jesus to put himself first. He's saying, use your powers for something bigger, if, if you jump off, the angels will save you. What harm will that do? It almost feels like the right thing. It would, everyone would have seen this. They would have known that Jesus is king if he'd have done this. It would have been spectacular to see angels save him. But no, Jesus came as a humble servant, not with riches and earthly power. And Satan did this with Adam and Eve, as we read in Genesis 3. Just take a bite. What harm will it do? You'll know everything. You'll know the difference between good and evil. You'll know wisdom. You'll, you'll be just like God. Adam and Eve fell for that lie, but Jesus didn't. We should watch out for those small things. We shouldn't accept them. And trusting God in those small things will help us to trust him in the bigger things. The big one here is that the devil is tempting Jesus, which could resonate with his, with his flesh, the lusts of his flesh, the pride that would have come with the angels being commanded to catch him, the glory that the world would have seen, but that isn't the way of Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus shows that God's kingdom is given and not taken. Verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. 
This is the pinnacle of the kingdom. Jesus had a choice to take the kingdom or give it. He had the chance to choose to lay down his life, which his father had sent him for, or choose to take the lives of others to rule over them. Jesus chose to live as a man and die so that we don't have to. He laid down his life for the sake of us. At every point, he used his power to show us what love is like, what grace is like, grace that we have life in his kingdom, not because of anything we've done, but truly because of what he's done for us. And the power that rose Jesus back to life is the same power that works in us. So hopefully you see there's two kingdoms at work, two kingdoms that are vastly different and built on very different things. This last temptation shows that Jesus not only came to be an example, but he came to be our saviour. Satan wants to tempt Jesus so he won't choose to carry out what his father sent him for. And he replies, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus came to serve his father, show us his kingdom. He lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, and he did this in our place. God accepts us not because of our record, but because of Jesus. God's kingdom is shown in Jesus. He didn't choose to use his powers for his own benefit. He doesn't want to trap us, but he wants to free us from our bonds, free us from what holds us back, what keeps us captive. You may be sitting there thinking, we fail and fall because we just can't live a life like Jesus. But this misses the point. Jesus did live as an example, but he also lived and died so that we are not taken captive by our guilt. It gives us the power of forgiveness as we confess our sins to him. And Jesus' resurrection gives us the power to live, to make mistakes and move on in him. Maybe you're thinking you've already fallen. Maybe you've slipped right to the bottom of the slope. You've slipped down the hill but uncontrollable and you don't know how to get back. But Jesus here is saying that he came for you. He can pull you up from the depths. His power is sufficient for you. There's nothing so bad that he can't forgive. So where do we go from here? As I said before, I want us to go away thinking about Jesus' devotion and desire. The overarching thing is that Jesus was unwavering in his devotion to God. At his weakest, Jesus' devotion for God's kingdom doesn't fail. When tempted, he's strong because he knows his Father. He will have gone into the wilderness to spend time with his father. During his ministry, he made time to be with his father. He devoted himself to God. Jesus, who was sinless, 
had the power to show what kingdom is like, but he needed to stay close to his father. As sinful people, I'd like us to think about how much more that means for us. What is our devotion to God? Our devotion to God will highlight the areas of our lives we need to submit to, to him, confess our sins, confess our failings to him. And as we think about this, maybe the slide may help in how we start. So we start with our devotion to God. We, when we start with God, our desires will naturally come from him. However, as we've learned from this passage, those desires can easily become distorted. Satan's clever to tempt us away. He doesn't want us to live out our desires to live out in the kingdom of God. And they can become distorted, which is why we need to loop back to our devotion to him. Distorted desires and distractions can lead us away from him. They can surprise us. Our selfish desires can subtly creep in and control us. But we need to come back and devote ourselves to God. Every day, be close to him. And Lent is a great time to get into this habit in our devotion to God. You can use our Lent devotions that Michelle mentioned earlier. Go to the website and, and have a look. Um, centralvineyard.co.uk forward slash Lent. Or you, but set yourself up in your devotion to God continually. You know, you can use other things like Lectio 365. You can use Bible readings. You can simply just be still in God's presence and welcome him in. But take those steps to spend time with God. Evaluate your desires as you come to him. Recognize what is a distraction or a distorted desire that will take us away from God. Recenter our lives and our world around him. This is how God works through us. It's how he builds his kingdom and how he works within us. As we stay in tune with him, we better hear his voice and we can act as we welcome the Spirit in. So this morning I urge you, whatever situation you're in, to choose Jesus in your everyday actions. Recognize when we're tempted. Recognize how Satan wants to tear us away from truth and convince us of lies. We need to take that decision for Jesus every day or we can sink, we can slip away from it. Let's stand as we look to respond. We're not going to force anything here. We're just going to create some space to respond. As I've been talking, as you've been here, the Spirit may be prompting things within your own life. But I'd like us to leave some time to redevote ourselves to God. If you feel captive, if you feel trapped, Jesus invites you to him. 
if you're constantly feeling the cycle of guilt or giving in to temptation, Jesus offers you forgiveness. He offers you hope. He offers you restoration because of his great love. Maybe this is a chance to confess our sins and accept his love. Decide how you'll devote yourself to him today, then tomorrow, then the day after. So let's leave some space. Sometimes closing your eyes is fine. Sometimes holding out your hands can be an act of accepting uh, God and turning to him. Let's be sensitive of those around us. And if you would like prayer, there's chairs at both my left and right. But let's leave some space.